0: This morning's reading is part of the ongoing series from the book of Romans. It's Romans three, verses 27 to 31, and it's on page 859 of the Pew Bibles. When Paul wrote this, he was about 65 years of age, so he had a lot of life experience, and it was about 60 years after Christ had ascended to heaven. He was on his fourth and final missionary journey in the Eastern Mediterranean. Um, He had traveled from the Holy Land for this journey through Cyprus, Crete, Sicily, and eventually ended up in Rome. He knew a lot about Jews and Gentiles, he knew a lot about human nature, and this is what he had to say. Can we boast, then, that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God, and he makes people right with himself, only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. May this blessing be part of all of us. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. And um, gracious Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is true and sure. And Lord, in this next period of time, we ask that you would speak by your spirit. We ask that you would quicken, sharpen, aliven uh, this word. Lord, we we know that uh, there's barriers within the person who brings the word, foibles and idiosyncrasies. They can air to the left or the right. And there's also barriers in our mind that stop your word from falling on fertile soil. But we ask this morning that you would come by your spirit, quicken this word, enliven it to our hearts, that like our Francis Light, who saw uh, read the Gospels after he was an Anglican vicar and came to faith and then wrote that amazing hymn that we had at the start, that your word would transform our lives, we ask this. In Jesus' name. Amen. So good morning and welcome to our ongoing series on Romans. This morning we are looking at how the gospel reverses what seems almost universally intuitive to all humans. With humanity and in work, relationships, or religion, we give our best performance and then comes the verdict. For example, I'm giving a message right now. So in a sense, I'm on trial. I uh, often you know, listen to podcasts of sermons and messages, and it sounds really bad, but I normally give the, 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 the preacher about two minutes, and if I'm not excited or gripped by what they say, I turn it off and go to the next one. Has anyone ever done that with YouTube clips or things like that? And so for someone listening on podcast, I'm already about halfway through the trial period, and they'll decide they'll cut me off or turn on to the next one. And, and this is off. We put the performance on, and then comes the verdict. Uh, And in every area of life, this seems to be true. It would be a little bit surprising if you could imagine at the Olympics, they awarded all the gold medals before the performance. And I get it, I'm not hugely a fan of the participation awards. I've never, where everyone is a winner. But there is deeply wired within us you give a performance and then you hope for a good verdict. So whether it's a person going out on a first date, the person could be self-conscious. Will I make a good impression? And the, the verdict will be going out on a second date. And in religion, this is the case. For example, in Islam... A Muslim has no way of knowing whether he'll be accepted by Allah in the day of judgment. Muhammad himself said he did not know what would happen to him on the day of judgment. One of the reasons, actually, that all Muslims pray for the salvation of Muhammad. And this here is a little text from uh, one of the reputed hadiths uh, of, um, of Muhammad. In uh, an acknowledged hadith which tells about Muhammad going to visit a house where the body of a faithful Muslim who had died still lay, a woman addressed the dead body saying, May Allah have mercy on you. I testify that Allah has honoured you. Then Muhammad asked the woman, How do you know that Allah has honoured this man? I know by Allah, she said. And then Muhammad replied, This man death struck him and I wish him the best in the name of Allah. By Allah, though though I'm a messenger of Allah, I don't know what will happen to me just like you. And so what uh, the prophet Muhammad was getting at was, I wish this guy the best, but how do you know that he's going to get to heaven? He's given his best performance through a life-serving Allah. Yes, I wish him the best, but how do you know he's in heaven? Uh, The verdict by God hasn't been released. So Tim Keller says this, do you realize that it is only in the gospel of Jesus Christ you get the verdict Before the performance. The atheist might say they get their self-image from being a good person. They're a good person. They hope that eventually they'll get a verdict that confirms that they're a good person. Performance leads to the verdict. For the Buddhists too, performance leads to the verdict. If you're a Muslim, performance leads to the verdict. All this means every day you're in the courtroom. Every day you are on trial. That is the problem. But Paul is saying... God's word is saying that in Christianity, the verdict leads to the performance. We see this in this morning's text. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Can we boast in our performance? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith, not obeying the law. Now, Saul of Tarsus, before he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and became the apostle Paul, believed in religious performance and then getting the verdict. But after he encountered Jesus, he had this radical change. This is what he says uh, in, in Philippians. I like his actually his counterpoint to Muhammad. You'll see Paul thought, yeah, I'm smashing. I am faultless. This is Paul, uh, what he said. Uh, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh and the confidence in their performance, I have more circumcised on the eighth day a people, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and to the, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the Christians. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Uh, isn't that interesting? That, 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 that's how he considered himself. You know, la, la, you know, faultless. The, the last week we have a look that with the, being declared righteous, Jesus our substitute has actually met the requirements of the law and showing in his life the supreme act of dying in our past. All right, here's another one, little passage here. This is what, but whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've gained lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, coming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. So there is Paul, his pre-Jesus life. It's all about the performance, giving a faultless performance, and then you get the verdict. And then after he encountered Jesus Christ, seeing what Jesus had done, his supreme act on the cross, now he says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, comes from the performance but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And this is what N.T. Wright uh, 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 says. The faith because of which one is declared righteous consists simply of the helpless trust in what God has done in Jesus. Everything that comes later, the hard moral work of producing the fruit of the Spirit, the putting to death of the deeds of the body, and so forth. All of that has a very different character from the initial utterly astonished and utterly humble, spirit-inspired, gospel-driven confession that the crucified and risen Jesus is Lord. And uh, N.T. Wright is an Anglican bishop in the Church of England. Uh, God has given the verdict to those who in their helpless trust have entrusted themselves to Christ. The verdict of being declared righteous before you do any good works. And in spite of any past misdeeds. So, in the world where everything you, everywhere you go, you give the performance and then comes the verdict. But in relation to justification, God in Christ, through his work on the cross, received through faith and repentance, gives us the verdict. And out of that comes the performance. Uh, can we boast then that with this again, little passage here, that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So he made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right by himself, by faith. There is Paul saying it again. Well, that's the case, though, says Paul. "If um, If we get the verdict... Of declared righteous before we do the performance, the question then comes why perform? all right and you're going to see uh, that there. Well then if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So Paul uh, makes the makes the question and then he answers, God's words claims that getting right by faith, not by works, actually establishes the law, or to put it another way, it enables us to truly fulfill the law of God. How on earth does faith do that? How on earth does the verdict of being declared righteous help us to actually perform? Well, this is the way John Piper puts it, and I think it's pretty good. If we get right with God first by faith alone, and then live in that freedom of love and acceptance and justification, we will be changed from the inside out, and we'll begin to love the very things the moral law requires so that they become established in our lives, not as works of merit, but as the fruits of faith and the fruit of the Spirit. Once you've had once you've accepted the declared verdict, the Holy Spirit comes within, and then you start to ch- it changes your desires. Alright? And so there's a totally different, it's, it's the other way around. It feels intuitively like they're putting the carriages before the train. But the Bible is saying, actually, the train is faith, the engine is faith, it is the Holy Spirit, and you will not be able to get the rest of the things moving unless you've got that first. So once we have been declared righteous children of God, God God's uh, uh, that God loves us. His Spirit comes into our life. We receive the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters us and starts to convict sin and grow in the fruits of repentance. So can you remember a time that we, after you gave your life to Christ and you were growing, that the Holy Spirit started to convict you of things that you were doing before and, and quite happily, all right? I've had that experience. So, so when I was a young lad, um, I, because I was quite a good person at, at school and stuff like that, and the teachers just—I looked so nerdy and, 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 you know, quite weak. I could just lie to the teachers, and they would just accept it. So I remember one graphic. This is—it may have been sort of subtle racism here, but I, I turned up to class. I'd gone out to spend the morning playing computer games at my mate's place uh, rather than go to school. wagged the entire day, and, and then it's oh, in class. Better turn up. There's some assignments given, so I rocked up to class. And, and uh, the person said, there, was two, there was another student who turned up at the same time. And the person said, said, oh, I've been sick. He says, where's your note? Where's the thing? Where's the medical certificate? You don't have it? Right, off to the principal. I thought, oh, I'm in for the high jump now. And I went up there and said, oh, I've been sick. I've been this and that. All right, Alistair, go grab a seat. Two different standards. But the interesting thing was, I, as I started to lie about those things, lie, bec- lying became addictive. Anytime the pressure came on, the first thing, no, it wasn't me. And I'd say it, and then after I gave my life to Christ, I remember this. I was actually a pastor of a church, and a person asked me on the spot about something, and the first words that came out was not related to the truth. And I tell you, I went home, I felt such conviction. I've lied to a person at a church. Oh, i just, just a holy. It's like, what is this change on me? So I had to go to that person and say, the information I gave you was incorrect. This is the reality. And I felt so red and embarrassed and ashamed. What made that change? I wasn't out of It was the work of the spirit, which is a spirit of truth. All right. But I knew, right, I knew that even though I'd lied uh, as a minister to this person or told something that wasn't true, I knew that I wasn't saved by telling him the truth. I am saved by the cross. Because the verdict has come before the performance. And no no matter my past misdeeds and all the lies and deceit that I had in the high school and other things that I got away with, in Christ, the verdict comes before the performance. Uh, And so this is Tim Keller. You see, the verdict is in, and now I perform on the basis of the verdict because he loves me and he accepts me. I do not have to do the things just to build up my resume. I do not have to do the things to make me look good. I can do things for the joy of doing them. I can help people to help people, not so I can feel better about myself, not so I can fill up the emptiness. Right, so let me suggest another couple of results that come from this verdict, uh, uh, the verdict coming before the performance. It reduces the corrosive effect of pride. All right? If we have received this verdict of being acquitted in spite of our performance, In spite of our sin, it removes or should remove any pride, any ability to boast in our performance. We're declared righteous, we're forgiven, we're free to love God and a neighbor, which frees frees us not to be self-focused, but Christ-focused. Now, pride comes out in different ways in my life. One way it has come out, and I constantly battle, is I'm I'm an attention seeker. So I'm, I'm, I'm always hungry for respect and honor and praise. I'm a praise addict. Like maybe it's my love language, but I am always, I just after the sermon, I just want lots of praise. Tell me how awesome I am, right? That's what I want. I know it's really bad, but inside, that's what it, that's what it is. So what is that? Why suddenly it's actually, I've looked at it, I'm wanting to show I am worthy. I'm sure that I've done a good performance to show how good and awesome I am. Why? Why do I need If I've already got the verdict in Christ that I'm loved, made in the image of God, and valued on the way to eternity, and his verdict, why do I need the praise of man? It's subtly a desire of pride, this sort of thing that comes up in his defensiveness. But if God is, so why do I need that? The gospel puts to death, uh, putting on a good performance to get the praise of others, to have one's ego built up. Because we've already received the verdict from him. Declared righteous through faith. It should reduce the corrosive effect of pride. And it's also an antidote to anxiety. If you've already received the acquittal before you do anything to serve the Lord, if the verdict comes before the performance, then there's no need to be anxious. Who's ever gone in to sit an exam, a test, or a thing like that, and you're just filled with anxiety before the test? So when I was training to be a Presbyterian minister, the worst test they had, it was a whole weekend, it was psychological reviews, it was all these interviews and assessment. The worst moment for me was the impromptu speech. Up the front was this table right here with these bits of paper laid on the ground. And there was a whole bunch of speech topics. You knew nothing, what they were, what the topic was, and you had to walk up. Turn it over, it was a scenario, and then you had to walk in front of the assessors and speak for two to three minutes on that straight away. Pretty much, I was you, the row that was sitting there filled with anxiety. But when you know that actually you're loved, beloved in Christ, we have the verdict no matter what our performance is that actually we're loved. It should free us from the from from anxiety. We are Christ's. Received in faith, nothing to boast about with all the promises given of us, and nothing to be anxious about either. So here is the text again. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether the Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word and we pray that lord that this today and this week knowing that you we have for those of us through repentance and faith have accepted that verdict of being declared righteous we ask that that would remove a desire to perform a desire to seek people's attention and praise and a desire to to do all of that would go and the anxieties that we would have a change of heart in the way that we operate in our lives and that, Lord, that the performance we give this week of loving our neighbor, serving the poor, helping those around, we would do because of your spirit in us and out of a desire for your smile and tonight, knowing that you love us already, that the verdict is already in. In Jesus' name, amen.